0: Welcome to Faith and Letters, a podcast at the intersection of Christianity, the writing life, and the wide world of books. I'm your host, Ben Bishop. Friends, I have news. This episode marks the grand finale of Season 1 of Faith and Letters. That's right. After seven episodes representing the seven days of creation. (laughs) Just kidding. But after seven episodes, this eighth episode, which will be a recap and deep dive with my buddy Dan Koch, will constitute the end, the capstone of season one. I've had so much fun doing this first round of interviews. I've learned a ton, I've had some highs, I've had some lows. And I figured there would be no better way to end it all than going back through some of what I've learned and what I've felt uh, and kind of where I'm at now with my buddy, Dan Koch. You've heard me mention him. He's the guy who mailed me the copy of Daniel Taylor's The Myth of Certainty. He's been podcasting for a lot longer than I have. He's funny. He's warm. He's quick on his feet. And he had some great insights to share. So if you enjoyed my show, or if you're interested in podcasting generally, I think you'll really enjoy this episode. I certainly hope so. Without further ado, let's begin the long goodbye. Here we go. Dan, thank you for coming on my show. Thanks so much for having me. Dan Koch, you're a good friend of mine. I'm going to explain who you are and what we're up to here. So Dan is not only a dear friend of mine, who I've known and been close with. Well, I've known him for probably 20 years, my gosh, but we've been close for over a decade now. Uh, And also, importantly, he's a podcaster. Dan is the host of multiple podcasts, including his current long-running podcast, You Have Permission, uh, which is, I mean, you tell me, is this fair? It's geared towards Christians trying to simultaneously navigate serious faith, and serious engagement with the modern world.
1: Yeah, I would say it's geared toward anybody who wants to look at the intersection of Christianity and the modern world. They don't necessarily need to be Christians themselves, if that's something they're interested in, and a decent chunk of listeners are not. But mostly, yeah, Christians end up finding that of interest.
0: Great. Don't think I even made it two episodes into my show without referencing Dan by name. Uh, Because he's been an influence on me, big influence on me uh, in my podcasting journey. So what we're going to do today is recap my first season and talk about podcasting. We're going to do a little how the sausage gets made podcast here, partially because I just think that that's always a fun kind of thing, behind the curtain kind of uh, thing, whatever you're interested in to, to hear a little bit about how people actually do stuff. And because Dan's been doing this for a lot longer, so I think it'll be fun for me to just kind of share my experience and, and also ask him about how uh, any number of things have gone for him in his podcasting career. You've probably been doing this, I mean, almost five years now, maybe more like three or four. But um, so we'll, we'll kind of go a few different directions. Do you, have, uh, do you have an opening statement to make, Dan, before I prompt us and animate things with an initial uh, direction?
1: I do. I, I just I'd like to set the stage um, by sharing a moment from our uh, our lives. Uh, this is maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago. We have convened what we called the podcast summit, which is a weekend where you were able to get a weekend away from wife and baby, and drive up from Portland to Seattle. My main memory is of a whiteboard. And many hours spent outside on the deck. We had good weather. Must have been in summertime. And uh, I just re- I think about that weekend so fondly. I I don't think I've ever spent more hours in a in a time period talking and thinking about what a podcast could or might or should be than that weekend. And I, that was glorious. I love helping people think through their projects. Like, you know, I would love to be uh, a dissertation advisor or something like that. You know, like uh, getting into the nitty gritty of what's the question we're asking? You know, I love that. So I got to do it for a whole weekend at the podcast summit. But that was that was a while ago. And you didn't I don't think you pursued whatever the idea was at that time Uh, or maybe we were. So anyway, that's kind of my way of setting the stage uh, for this conversation, because a lot of my curiosity for you is how did you get from there to here to this show
0: well let me remind you i i false started i spent a lot of time i recorded like four or five episodes for a different podcast that i just ended right. up completely canning and not right not airing but
1: i don't remember even if the podcast summit was for that show or even the different idea before that one cuz we had many other well we were throwing a lot of conversations. stuff against yeah. the
0: metaphorical wall against the white to see yeah. sure what stuck yeah that's a good question i mean i well okay so I mean my first question was going to be and we'll both tackle this i can go first i because I think i can answer your question by by answering you know it's to some extent an answer to the question more generally of why did we set out to make podcasts yeah so why did I set out to make a podcast why did i why did i end up Making a podcast, I guess more more primarily, like, why did I want? Why did I think that I wanted to make a podcast? Uh, I I wanted to make a podcast in, I think, in large part for two reasons. One, one was that I was, and this is probably what will answer your question more so. The reason I ended up actually making my podcast, Faith in Letters, which I've now launched into the world and exists. Was because I had gotten to a point where I was really frustrated with my uh, writing, my own writing career, and my own writing practice. And to some extent, that was specifically the way in which my writing, which I've a lot of the time that I've devoted to writing has been on book length stuff. So stuff that is just has literally years long gestation incubation periods. I, I just thought, man, what if I could do something where I could iterate a lot faster? You know, when I was younger, I had, yeah. I was a, a musician and played and with numerous bands and recorded and, you know, something like comparing the process of writing a song to the process of writing a novel, uh, you can just, you can, you can do one so, 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 so much faster. So I thought to myself, well, maybe I can, maybe it will be, maybe it would be fun and just kind of gratifying to, be able every week to do, to get something out there, to just create something, uh, and, and to get it out there. And maybe that would like, just give me a break. I was, I actually took a self imposed sabbatical from writing for various reasons, which we don't have to get super into all that, but I was just really frustrated on a number of levels. So it was, it was a redirection, a rechanneling of my creative energy. And I think I just needed it that much more two years later than when we initially talked. Uh, I was still in the process of working on a novel at that point, like really in the weeds. And that just ended up taking, I've realized as a parent, like you only have so much time. I only have so much time outside of my job for creating projects. So anyway, I finally got to the point where I was like, I'm stopping writing for a little while and I'm going to do this podcast. Uh, The other the other thing, uh, which I'll just say more briefly, is that I just love podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts now for, I don't know, five, six, seven years at least. And I wanted to try it. I think just like kind of a, a simple, basic, like, I wonder if I could do that well kind of impulse. So how would you how would you answer the question? I mean, we need to go back a little further for you, or it's, it's a little bit more remote for you at this point. But for starters, why did you set out? to make podcasts, because to very briefly just preface this, you're a a much more accomplished and serious musician than I am. So you have this whole creative life, uh, you know, that involved making music and making records and touring seriously. Um, So there's that audio connection, but you're also, you know, very intellectual, you've you've done a number of, of things creatively. How did you find yourself setting out to make podcasts?
1: Yeah, that's interesting that to contrast the music thing. So I was in a band uh, full time for 10 years, eight of those years, seven or eight of those years. We were basically on tour or in the studio 11 months out of the year. I didn't have to have any other jobs. It was my full time income. That said, it wasn't a lot of income, uh, but you don't have a lot of expenses either when you live with your parents and your band pays for your health insurance and cell phone bill. Uh, you know you just don't really need a lot of money so I had no savings from that time but I got to see the world um, and then for the last uh, eight or nine years now I've been a, a full-time freelance commercial composer so I write music that ends up getting played in advertisements and that is how I make my living So yeah so that that's an interesting um, angle of, of comparing it to music when you were talking about your, pausing the writing and, oh, what if I could write something quickly? It's kind of like the difference between working on an album for two years that people will hear all at once at the end and doing one of those things that sometimes people do. They say, hey, I'm going to write a song a day for a month. I'm going to put it all on Bandcamp. Listen if you want, you know, people people digging it is icing on the cake. It's primarily a creative outlet. It's a, It's like a prompt right? It's like a grad school prompt if you're in an MFA program or something. And then podcasting is kind of, it's in that middle space, especially starting a new podcast where you do, you know, you want people to listen to it. Obviously you want people to hear it. You're putting it out in the world, but it's fairly low stakes at the beginning and you can experiment. You can say, you know, I wasn't going to ask you this, but I'm feeling like uh, maybe we should go this direction. And then you're learning something about, you're interviewing and all of that stuff. What I think is so interesting about podcasting, though, is that it does get to a point where it becomes something else, and then it's actually quite different from an album or a novel or whatever. And it's like, uh, oh, now you're like a regular presence in people's lives. It's a bit more akin to hanging out or something like that. Um, so I'm I just am, I'm interested in. I don't know, like the the different dynamics of the medium, and the more conversational of a podcast you have, the more true that is. You know, like Joe Rogan maybe being the ultimate example. Like there are just people, there are millions of people who spend ten hours a week with Joe Rogan, just you know, in their ears. He releases like three three-hour episodes a week, or what two or th- whatever it is. It's a lot. Um, that is a very different thing. Than like Serial or the Malcolm Gladwell podcasts, you know, or whatever.
0: So there are, of course, there are different types. And I did, I did a season uh, intentionally because I didn't want to to feel what to me would have been kind of the the ball and chain of like, I okay, now I've now I'm gonna look bad essentially if I miss my my production schedule and I don't do if right. I only end up doing this for seven weeks. Um, and then dropping off. It's like the person who decides to blog and then has three blog posts. <laughs> so
1: And then, no, the fourth and the fifth blog post are sorry it's been it's so wild. it so long. It's been
0: so long. <laughs> Man, really going to get back here. And you're like, this is from March of 2015, dude. Uh, so I was like, I'll yeah. do a season. I'll commit to doing a season uh, and then I will reevaluate, which that's part of what we'll it's do. It's great.
1: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna reevaluate in real time I here. Can. Nice. Yes. Let's. But so okay, I didn't answer ahead. your question of why I started doing podcasts. So I feel like I should at least somewhat address that. Um, I'm always I'm always quite worried that the reason that I started the main reason is just ego or whatever, or it's like just some natural you know to some degree it's some natural outpouring of my personality. I've always been a, a very non-private person. Uh, in fact, I, I took one of these personality tests for a class recently. Um, and on the privateness score, it's like, I I don't remember exactly, but it's like one to 40 and I scored a two. (laughs) So like, I'm just kind of an open book, um, which sometimes gets me in trouble. And so I don't, I, I, there's something that I'm a verbal processor. I think out loud, some of my best I think my best formulations of how I see the world or whatever have come in the moment interviewing somebody, just, just shooting it around, you know, just trying things out. So that's a reason. Um, I think I, I, I probably felt a lot of validation after a few successful guest spots on other people's podcasts, Hmm. namely the bad Christian podcasts that my, my friends um, had started years before. And so then I thought, oh, maybe this is something for me. And, you know, there's there's a bit more to that story. But um, the first one to actually launch was depolarize. And that was because of Trump. I was trying to do my part to not to help keep Trump from being elected. I did not succeed. Uh, (laughs) Of course, we all we all failed. Um, And then uh, Reconstruct, which I had already been working on before depolarize, just took longer to get out. And then that came out. And those both ended and now I'm just doing your permission f- for about a year and a half, almost two years now.
0: you started to get into the more philosophical direction I am thinking maybe we'll go next, which is just getting right into like what have what have we learned about ourselves by doing this now you've maybe learned more you've been doing it a lot longer uh, and you know maybe in some ways your podcasts, are more personal or you've just had more runway at the very least.
1: Um, uh, it's just more hours. And so more personal yeah. stuff has probably come up, but I, I don't think it's any more personal than what you're doing in general. It's just, you do it, you know, you do it long enough. You're eventually going to disclose some things, right. You know, or whatever.
0: And I'm not talking primarily about stuff you have or have not disclosed, but like, what do you, you know, when you look back, what you think you've learned about yourself so you go, you go first this time, maybe, unless you're stumped and need a second. Um, but
1: no, no, I yeah, I so I you you mentioned the kind of quick release format of like just getting something out there, and I have I have learned that actually that works quite well for me. Uh, that I I do pretty good work that way, and oftentimes I am overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed by projects that I don't know how I'm going to finish them. And I have figured out that I often will just, I won't finish them. I'll only work on them for a couple days while I'm really excited. You know, I have like four or five books that I have started writing that I wrote for two days maybe and now are just sitting in a Google Doc somewhere. But an episode or, or even a series of episodes like a four-parter I can, okay, I I can see the light at the tunnel from the beginning, right? So I know how I can finish this, and then I'll do it. Uh, And so that's something that I've definitely learned. Um, And so I'm already thinking, like, I I have this idea for a way of making videos, and I looped my editor in on it because I realized that, like, oh, you know what? He's going to need to do the video making. Like, I... It will be fun for me to think through what should go in the video and I will do, I will record my part of it, but like I need him because I'm not going to learn video editing. I just, I know myself, that's not going to happen. I will get bogged down. It will never get done. So that's literally just like last week, something I had learned about myself through five years of podcasting, finally showing up and being like, oh yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. Uh, so that's something. What, what about you? What have you figured out about yourself?
0: I feel more ambivalent now than I, than I did at the beginning of my podcast as to whether or not I'm actually a good interviewer. And I think it has to do with being made more aware of the distinction between being a good interviewer and being a good conversationalist, or maybe more accurately, the difference between a good interview and a good conversation, i think on a basic level it's hard for me to listen to somebody in the way that i would want to fully be present and just openly listening to someone in a, in a quote-unquote normal conversation when they're the guest on my show so you, i would lo, I cannot wait to hear how you think about this but for me i'm going into an interview any interview With some kind of game plan, I have questions, I have topics that I want to get to, Uh, you know, I have a possible roadmap, it's obviously open ended, we're going to go down some rabbit trails, they're going to reveal something hopefully that's interesting to me that I had not anticipated, and maybe that will generate additional fodder, but it would not be a good idea to just be like, hey man, how you doing? let's see where this goes. It's it's like, okay, I read your book and these are the things that were interesting to me. And I'd like to talk about them or this is, this is your word, whatever, you know, you can, you can imagine. And that's, that's, that just then somehow precludes having the kind of conversation that you have with a buddy that is just catch me up, man. How are you? How is your heart? How, how is your life going? I think it's, And that's fine. That's just, it is what it is. But Yeah, I don't
1: necessarily want to listen to you have those conversations with your friends. So you're trying to serve (laughs)
0: your listener, but you're also, I think I'm just aware of the way in which I'm looking, that part of me that has to be looking ahead as they're talking to what the next question is going to be and where we're going to go somehow impinges on them and sort of like mildly impairs my ability to just be present when they're talking. So that's, I don't know if that's learning something about myself as, or, or maybe it, maybe it is in the sense that it's, maybe some people have that skill and I don't, but it's like, you know, the the extent to which that is a part of the experience of podcasting, I think that's something that I've learned about conducting uh, what I'll call a live interview or something you're taping live. Um, how, how do you feel about that? How do you negotiate that? How do you experience that dynamic? Does that ring true to you?
1: Oh yeah. Okay. So I've thought about this a lot actually. Uh, and I, I think that I can say this ego free. I have a pretty fast processing brain. I'm pretty good at this thing, this thing you're describing. Like as far as I'm probably pretty high on the percentile list of people who can follow up, see what's coming next. I've practiced it a bunch now. I enjoy that the challenge of that, right? It's like a a mental task. That being said, I still miss a good 15-20, maybe more percent of what everyone says every time I interview them because at some point I have to switch over and go, "Okay, I think I know where they're going here. I'm I'm making the calculation that I don't need to follow up on that. So now I'm back. I'm actually just tuned out figuring out when and how to phrase the next question because we need to move on. Right. And then when I listen back to it when it comes out or whatever, I'm like, "Oh, that was like a really good point they made that I didn't, didn't even hear at on. the time. Just too much going on." Here's what I think is the actual I don't think anybody is good enough at that to totally do it themselves. I think this is why uh Shows with budgets, either very big podcasts or radio shows, have producers on the line in real time. I think there's a person in the booth whose job it is not, it's not their job to be on the mic. They literally are speaking to the person or putting up a sign in the control room or something that says, you know, ask this question now so that the interviewer can be fully present and the producer can tell them when it's time to switch. I think that's the only real solution, which is to say there's no solution <laughs> for us because I'm not hiring a producer anytime soon to do that. Uh, I can't I can't afford that. So, you know, uh, I think that's the real answer. But I, I think that's so interesting. And I'm always, I'm kind of always thinking about how that could go better and, and when to go off script. And, you know, recently I've been, I'll just say one more thing. Recently, I have been going off when it's starting to feel personal in a good way. Like when I'm getting something out of the heart or or narrative of the person I'm interviewing that I didn't anticipate Mm -hmm. and then like sticking with that moment or those feelings or whatever. I've always been willing to go off script for an interesting idea because that's kind of my native language is ideas, but now I'm increasingly interested in the story stuff. And, and maybe that's because of, you know, I'm training to be a psychologist and it might be some of that kind of uh, coming through anyway.
0: Yeah. I think the only other thing I'll say in regards to what I have learned about myself is that I've confirmed that I, I do have a skill or a nose for eliciting and sort of excavating motivations or kind of the the human heart and psychological underpinning behind things or at least being curious about that I think maybe that's all I can take credit for but following what you're describing following those uh, letting the hounds follow those scents, I think is something that uh, makes for good tape
1: yeah I guess I don't really know I I have always known that you were a very good interviewer since I don't know 10 years ago when you were doing ragged band, your sort of interview blog and just being really impressed with the questions that you asked people. And that's, that's basically why I wanted to be of whatever service I could in helping you figure out what kind of podcast to do and why I think I always pushed for an interview format from you because of that skill. And I don't, I guess since I was never in the room for those early interviews, right? I only read I read your edited transcripts, which, uh, you know, some editing necessarily goes on there, right? So I guess what I'm not totally sure of is, and, and then when on a podcast interview too, I don't see your notes. So but but my gut is that um, if I had to guess, I would say, where your skill lies primarily is in that initial battery of questions that are so thoughtful, and that pull things together and whatnot. But maybe in your actual experience it's like, no, half of the really good stuff comes in the moment and I continue to excavate, since I don't have access to you know what you had before. What would you say, do you have a percentage there?
0: I think the majority of the good questions are questions that I went in with. I think, yeah. Thinking, thinking, and writing out kind of thoughtful, detailed questions is one of the the strengths that I bring, and I've continued to try to, you know, complement that with with a willingness to to pursue stuff further. I mean, that you know, the simple, the simple um, skill of. Of knowing when to interrupt somebody knowing when to be like wait okay hold on tell me a little bit more about that hold on wait 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 right you know that's 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 almost like a a um that's almost counterintuitive both within the context of generally trying to get people to talk and then once they're talking you want to let them talk and just personally you don't want to be rude i mean but you have to you have to actually interrupt people sometimes
1: okay i've a few thoughts on that questions for you actually. <laughs> Number one is, and of course no names. Yeah, yeah. But if you have ever encountered this, how many times out of how many total interviews where you're like, this person is just not bringing enough to the table. This is gonna go poorly. I gotta right. that's happened that's happened to me, but only a handful of yeah. times in like a couple hundred interviews, which I'm grateful for. Those are I wanna know about you. And then the other one is um When you do that, when you do the move of, let me actually, could you clarify there, or could you say more about that, and you kind of cut them off and ask for more, what percentage of the time are you thinking of the listener, and what percentage of the time are you just, like, following the scent of the interesting thing?
0: I think I, hmm. I'm about
1: 80-20. I think I would almost, to, to scent. I
0: think I would almost always be doing it on some level for the listener and to answer like
1: a, a lot of times it's just, could you define that? Or yes. if people don't know what yeah, we're talking about, that. like I always have to do that. I feel like you
0: do that. Um, I think more than I too did. much. Well, I, I don't know. That's, that, that brings up a whole other question about, uh, the idea of respecting the listener or sure. Or a lot, you know, just, I guess knowing your listener or, or, yeah, that's a separate thing. That's its own. I, that's its that's own a thing. great. We should talk, okay, about, we can, that, though. We talk about that. The ideal listener,
1: I think, is a great topic. Let
0: me yeah. let me briefly answer the other question by saying, yeah, never. And that's because I only did these first seven interviews. But I had the opposite experience once or twice of thinking, oh, my word, we're. I've asked two questions and we're thirty-five minutes in. Like, I'm gonna have to like totally. rein this person in and be like, "Okay, good. Okay, okay, you've covered it, but I can tell that you want you could talk for another seven minutes about that topic. Let's move on."
1: Yeah, yeah. That's where a producer. I mean, that's really a producer's job. If you're do if you're an audio producer, is like you you are looking at the whole in a way that the person who's doing the interviewing should not be looking at the whole, right? Like you you're and it depends on the show and the, you know, how hard of a length limit do you have and all that stuff. Right. But somebody has got to make decisions on cutting things and like moving on. Right. And when you're just doing your own show, you're both your interviewer and producer. And so it's very hard to balance those things. But can we talk about this ideal listener thing? Because I think that this is one of the most interesting questions around podcasting or any other kind of broadcast or frankly artistic endeavor I'm using the term ideal listener I'm modifying it from Stephen King's ideal reader what do you mean yeah. which is his term okay define so for in, us
0: what you mean by that
1: so yeah in Stephen King's book on writing he talks about how y- as you're finding your voice as a writer um you it's so helpful to figure out like the um, if you imagine a bell curve of all your listeners, or readers, or whatever, who's in the middle? Like who is the, like this is the person who's right down the pipe for me and my work. And so he talks about how his ideal reader is actually his wife. She reads his books, she's also an author, but she, I don't know, for whatever reason, he uses her. And so when he's unsure how to do something, or he's like, what would she think? And then that's his rubric for decision making. And I think often of the podcast as that way, uh, like my ideal listener in, in the, the most boring way of talking about it is like, is a progressive Christian or something like that. But a, a more interesting way is like, uh, I think of it. My ideal listener has a four year college degree, but not more and not less. So when it comes to what are we going to explain I'm thinking if it's the kind of thing that anybody who went to college knows, we don't need to explain it. If it sounds like seminary language, for instance, with a theologian, and we're talking about, oh, you just said hypostatic, you know, okay, we're going to need to define that. Or you just dropped a name of somebody that you don't know. You don't learn about that person in high school. You know, you didn't say Booker T. Washington. You said Paul Tillich. I need you to explain who Paul Tillich was. Uh, that That's kind of like. Uh, one way that I think about it. So I'm wondering if you, I know that I'm, I'm throwing this language at you, ideal listener, but now that you understand it, how, what, how do you think in that, in terms of that stuff?
0: I didn't think about it much. And I, if I were to continue the podcast, I would need to think about it more. It seems to me that I would need to think about it at least a little bit more because I found myself at various points either over, in hindsight over explaining things or explaining things that I didn't need to i sense even having not considered my ideal listener that much i probably didn't need to explain or conversely I, I think this is a different error but just getting getting into stuff without giving enough context or backstory uh whether it's because of and this is like to some extent well you might have encountered this too but it's you know with within my world of my podcast where it's predicated on writing. And to some extent, some of these interviews were with people who have written entire books. I've read the book, but the <laughs> listener has not read the book. So right. if I wasn't explicit enough sometimes about like this story was told in your book, or you talk about this, I mean, it's it's hard actually to, to set the stage. You can't cover everything that's in a book in a preamble to a podcast. You don't want to do that. So you're giving you know, the, the, the exoskeleton and then having them fill in as necessary. But I think I, I think I missed it off, uh, to both sides. Uh, and I just, yeah, I didn't think about it maybe quite enough. It wasn't an egregious error, but I do think that could help a little bit. And I, I think to some extent I'm suspicious of, I'm suspicious of what I'm about to say, but I, I think it's also just true that like, I am my own ideal listener and that's, you know maybe that's a, a false answer but it's it's true i mean i think about you're you are overtly saying that you are on some level you know more educated or have a more specialized knowledge set than the average listener to your show i wa- i, I, I mean, wonder I, if one, i would one year
1: that. of grad school <laughs> i got one i got well, one more year of grad school than my average yeah. listener yeah uh,
0: yeah okay i won't put words in your mouth but i don't I don't know, I just haven't thought about it enough and it's it could probably be fruitful if I were to continue.
1: Well, it'd be interesting for you maybe to think okay, you are what is if you're the ideal listener, which I think is a perfectly good answer, that like someone roughly in your stage of life with roughly your interest in matters of faith and writing. Great. But then you need to minus whatever you bring into the interview that someone in your right. station who hasn't exactly. read the book wouldn't have. Right. And then if if that's the only thing you gotta do, that's actually a pretty great little rubric. So if you imagine that your that your average listener knows who John Updike is, has read some Tolkien, has whatever, right? Because it's the kind of person who would listen to this show, right? Has read some C.S. Lewis. Great. You don't have to break that stuff down. You just need to make sure that, like, if they haven't read Danielle Mayfield's book, that they're not lost. Right. I think that's actually that's a pretty fantastic way of doing it. Um, I think that for I could do something like that when it's not so much that I think I'm uh, more advanced or anything like that. I mean, I I do have a plenty of healthy, robust ego and sense of my own abilities, probably more than than they warrant. It's more about the fact that for my show, it is trying to do a particular thing. Uh, and a lot of times that thing is people are coming out of anti-intellectual evangelicalism. So in particular, like one of my little taglines is like, you've been given bad answers to good questions. So if that's true, then then I it's not it wouldn't be good to just assume that everybody's at a seminary level, right? Just because, Like, I happen to think that at the seminary level, you get a lot better theological answers than you do at the, like, what you can find in the Christian living section popular level. I think that's true. I mean, I think that, like, theologian Keith Ward has better answers on this stuff than Franklin Graham has. However, you can't just jump straight to Keith Ward reading him in the text. He's a philosopher, right? Like, there's uh, a—it's a—it's quite— A ramp. And so I need to think of it as like, where is the average person coming from or else the show will not succeed in its goals. But I could imagine doing a different show, which was like more kind of what I'm into, you know, the questions I'm asking and my friends are asking. And for that show, I would probably do a lot less explaining. And we would just be like, this is a show for people sort of where my friends and I are well, at, on and some I'm sure level, there are more of that us, was reconstruct
0: you know? I think as a listener I would say your show reconstruct which was about just had more hard kind of what I'll call hard philosophy in it and, and yes yeah that was sweet so uh, although that. it
1: <laughs> I I was uh that was just me incapable of reigning in my co-host and friend John Rains, who uh speaks very formally you know he is like born and you know just like he is just perfect for the academy and I actually tried my best to get that to be understandable by uh, an average person and I just I didn't quite succeed at that so I I've just I have more control I guess with you have permission it's just me and usually one other guest so I can police my own language quite easily and then I don't have to worry about guest and co-host uh and that's fine it, of course there's no I think people enjoy that about John like getting to live in his brain for an hour or whatever and uh that's great but i
0: yeah well let's cover one more thing on this topic before we move on which is uh, uh an insider kind of a question what do you think about this idea of not referencing things that happen outside your show i've mentioned to you a book i went back and found the title again i've read like the first third of it it's called make noise it's by this guy eric i don't even know exactly how to pronounce his last name eric nuzum nuzum he's a he's a longtime public radio producer he's got a lot of credentials it's so far it's a wonderful book i'll have to get back into it at some point but it's all about podcasting and he has this recurrent theme of not he says you should not make the listener feel like you are referencing either just generally or specifically with your guest things that they're not in on. Don't use insider language. And I think he's, I understand him to mean specifically either, you know, things that happened like right before you started recording or things that you were talking about, uh, you know, in an email exchange beforehand. And obviously this is probably not, well, it doesn't matter what he means. I mean, it doesn't, wouldn't have to be a hard and fast rule. But generally, it's intriguing to me, and I, it's, it's come into my consciousness a few times in the midst of doing interviews. Do you, have you thought about that at all? Do you have any kind of philosophy of sort of not, I don't know if you wouldn't call it breaking the fourth wall, but sort of how you think about the listeners, this is a very abstract concept, how you think about the listener's perception, really, and their their, their sort of literal experience you don't you don't know where they're going to be listening, but they have a mental image of you. They might not like when I think about a guy like Roman Mars, ninety nine percent invisible. I I I'm, I've probably looked up a picture of Roman Mars at some point, but I couldn't tell you right now. Like I have no mental image of him. They a lot of people will just know your voice. They will right. just know. So it's so you really they they only have access to what you give them access to and make explicit in the show. Have you have you thought about this general? But vague idea I'm trying to articulate here.
1: I think I probably could think about it more. Is the short answer. Um, I I I noticed things like that, like oh, you know, when we were talking beforehand about this, you said that I will always try and be very explicit about that, so that people that there's not anything that people aren't hearing that they would need to know. But he, it sounds like he's saying just actually don't do that if you can avoid right. it, which actually. It makes sense. This is the 1st time hearing of it. It seems like a pretty good rule yeah. because, yeah, that's – but it's kind of uh, an esoteric idea. It's almost like a psychoanalytic idea that, like, it makes people feel anxious that they're not privy to some aspect of your guys's relationship or something. You know what I mean?
0: I mean it could go either way. I, I feel like there's, there's kind of an inverse sense of – I don't know how to phrase it, that it, that it could almost be not exciting, but it, that it could almost be a kind of some variety of the pleasure you get from having things paid out to you slowly as you read a novel and like kind of learning more as things go on. I think that the true inverse of that rule is that, I mean, if you go on creating a podcast for long enough, you end up developing a kind of real following or tribe. And then when you're referencing you know, two years ago when I interviewed so and so, and somebody somebody actually listened to that episode and remembers it, it then gives them that dopamine hit of being reminded that they're part of your tribe yeah. and that they belong. Right. Uh, okay. I do.
1: I do. I am. That I'll say this. I'm always. I always try whenever possible, especially if people have been on before or if they come up, if they say things that remind me of previous episodes, I will mention that episode. I will say, and I don't know, I do that kind of automatically, um, but I guess I initially thought of it as like a, it's a simple way to provide people with resources. So if they're listening to this one and they're interested in this topic and this guy is saying something that reminds me of what this woman said eight months ago, like they might want to listen to that if they haven't. But there's also that thing of like, oh yeah, like I'm in this world And I listen to a lot of movie podcasts. That's like my hobby is watching films and listening to podcasts about them. I'm very nerdy about that stuff. And when I get one of those kind of Easter eggs from a previous episode or whatever, like, yeah, it does make me feel like I'm in a little community. Uh, That's that's weird. I'm a little bit – I'm a little suspicious of that – those kind of things though of like they feel – I probably shouldn't be but they feel a little bit – I don't know, maybe overly, uh, um, deterministic, overly, you know, trying to control it a bit oh. uh, like, like, uh, giving people, you know, little dopamine hits to keep them coming back. Oh, that sounds like know. exactly something... the
0: kind of thing that you would think about and exactly the way that you would phrase it.
1: I know I, it just feels a little slimy, <laughs> uh, but it, I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's not. This is how, you know, therapists and educators, have to think through the way that people will respond to what they say to, to to get their, their desired end, which is like for them to learn this thing or for their lives to be better. Right. So it's not bad. No, it's not. But there's still a part of me that wants to like, Hey, I'm just off the cuff. Yeah. No, I hear that. There's a part of it. And it's hard
0: to, to that, to acknowledge that there's some biological component of how, you know, the, What's been described as the physics of storytelling works. How people get hooked. What's interesting to them. How how you keep them listening. Yeah. Let's let's talk yeah. about uh, let's talk about some some nuts and bolts kind of experiences we've had while podcasting. So tell me about what has been hard or frustrating in the course of doing your podcast. That could be about the actual process of creating your podcast. That could be stuff that's happened in regards to specific interviews. But but tell me about some some disappointments or stuff that's just been challenging or frustrating to you?
1: Well, the, (laughs) the only, the only real story that comes to mind is I did like a 90 minute conversation, uh, with this, uh, nun, Ilya Delio, um, about like the cosmic Christ and evolution and the future. And she's like this brilliant, wonderful, very busy woman. And I just did not record it. Uh, and, she did not have time to to redo it and it's just gone we just we had a great conversation it's gone forever uh my friend trip fuller was kind enough to to basically redo that topic with me in his own way uh but that was a disappointment other than that frankly i was thinking about this question and uh i don't i don't have a lot of of hard or frustrating things like podcasting comes fairly naturally to me i really enjoy it i derive Uh, a tremendous amount of meaning from having the, this project go on knowing that I'm making a thing that I want to make in the world and that people are at least some people are receiving it the way it's intended more or less. I think probably my wife has more frustration around it than I do in terms of picking up the slack around the house or, you know, whatever uh, the time that it takes away. So I'm, I'm curious what you would say.
0: What's, most frustrating for me in listening back to these first seasons worth of episodes is twofold one my my inability to change my manner of speaking the 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 extent to which i wish fairly regularly as i'm listening back that i was more concise more direct and I don't I'm I think that's actually a skill that I could continue to work on, certainly. And I, I've gotten totally. a little bit better at totally. it. Totally. Or I'm just more conscious of it, which is the first step. But that's, you know, you can be brutal to yourself about that or kind to yourself. And I've been fairly tried to be fairly kind. So but that's just true. The other thing is that when I listen back to an interview and wish that I'd pushed on something harder, I did one interview, I actually did an interview that I didn't end up posting. I just ended up canning it for various reasons. But there was a particularly, it was actually like really energizing to listen back to it, uh, but also aggravating because I found myself thinking, oh, this person gave like a very bad or incomplete answer. Or I just wish that I'd like tugged on this thread, not a bad answer, but just like, oh my gosh, like, wait, is this what you're saying? Because that doesn't, you know, I, tell me more that I don't think we see the, the world in the same way. And I just kind of whiffed on that. Um, I So that was a kind of frustration too. And I think that that is also a skill as we've started to discuss earlier that you get better at interrupting people and being like, no, 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 no. This is where the vein of gold, this is where the ore is. We need to drill down here.
1: Well, I want to say one thing on the being concise or whatever Definitely have some grace for yourself. It is the kind of thing that I imagine that we get better at. Like, I assume I've gotten better at that. I don't have any real data to prove that to myself or you. But in my own counseling uh, training, I brought this up to my dad, who has been a therapist for 40 years. And he said, look, even now, 40 years in, I will sometimes ask two or three questions and it takes me to the third question. It takes me to the end of that to realize what I wanted to ask. Or sometimes I want to ask the multiple questions next to each other because they sort of cast a different light on each other. And I'm seeing what will provoke something out of my client. And so if he's still doing that 40 years later, that made me feel because I, I had done a recording with like a, you know, a, a quote unquote client. And I was I was also not being concise enough and I was taking too long And maybe a little too much of my podcaster self was coming out in the therapy room. And that's why I asked him about it. So, yes, but have grace. And sometimes it's worth uh, a minute or two of rambling around to find that really good question that you otherwise, what are you going to do? Sit there in silence for 90 seconds and say, hold on, I'm just going to think of my question. (laughs) You can't do that. That's rude. And that would make it that would take people more out of it. That's not how humans talk. So you you got to be okay with a little bit of that. And you also have to imagine that most people are not listening with 100 percent intensity the entirety of the conversation. Podcasts are on while you're doing an errand, while you are, you know, working on something with your hands, while you're cooking, you know, whatever, driving. Right. So, you know, people can there's a, a little bit they're not really pushing? listening
0: they're not really paying attention anyway oh they're listening but like
1: there are you know really tightly edited like really tightly edited shows like maybe like a fresh air or something like that even like really tightly inter- tightly edited interviews i i find myself having to go back a lot more often than like you know back up and hear something again uh and i i'm some i sometimes do this myself and And then guilty and I'm guilty of that kind of editing where it's like too tight and it's actually better to put a little more space in there because that way people uh, can follow it more smoothly and more naturally.
0: You already started to talk about pleasures of the work. I have felt like. I I, it was true it ended up being true that there is something nice about doing this thing where I can iterate more quickly I think especially once I got over the the initial hump which was pretty big for me of getting everything in place in terms of like creating a theme song and shaking all the rust off because I haven't used recording technology in 15 years and getting all my levels set once i can do once i can kind of replicate that and it's mostly just the kind of the intellectual prep and then the actual recording and the editing is going a lot faster afterwards that feels like kind of a nice rhythm and every week there's a there's a little jolt of you know i think not not bad uh satisfaction of like oh i'm i'm putting something out in the world i think there's a there's a sense in which we i certainly have have trained myself to believe or you know more gen- generously more generously i just buy into the idea that within the context of social media there is something to be really suspect about in terms of that hit we get when somebody likes our post or whatever but i actually yes. don't think it's the same thing i think when we cr- no, when we not. create something and we put a ton of effort into it and it's an object for the consumption and edification of other people, and it is living into this kind of desire and impulse to co-create. That's part of what it means to be a human being, and certainly an artist. That that that's good. That that joy, however, you know, small relatively it is for just an individual podcast episode of just like oh, I did this thing and I put it out there, and it feels good. is is a good thing. That's nice. So I like that. That's been a pleasure. I've I've liked. Uh, you know continuing that thread even more so i've liked hearing from people i've enjoyed i never hear from anybody for four years when i'm writing a novel uh and it's nice to just even a little bit be like you know my mom or my wife to be to, to catch my wife listening to an episode i mean just tiny things like that be like oh you're i made this thing and another human being actually listened to it that's nice So I think that's I think that's good. Um, And then lastly, I would just say, of course, uh, talking with interesting people is its own reward. There's there's something fun as much as it's not maybe entirely an organic conversation. It's a little contrived as it must be, uh, given that it's an interview it's still really enjoyable to talk to people about uh, things that I'm really interested in. So is there anything else you want to say about what you've enjoyed? Do you want to extrapolate on that at all? Just kind of what you get out of podcasting that keeps you coming back.
1: Actually, I I think that in some ways interviewing someone that you find interesting is better than just having a regular conversation with them. Because what are you going to talk about? With Like you're not going to just become friends. Like eventually I have become friends with some people that I have interviewed, uh, and some people that I have been involved with because of the podcast, but that's mostly been like, like I went to Fuller Seminary for two weeks last summer because of the podcast. But then I spent two weeks with this group of people. And now, uh, the, there's a little group of us that have become quite close. Um, but like I'm not gonna, you know, I'm. Tr- I've been trying to get uh Greg Greg Gaffin from Bad Religion on the show to do, is it Graffin or Gaffin? I can't remember. Whatever, uh, the singer of Bad Religion to do this. Um, I, I don't. Oh, the God I us. don't I re- believe in. Yeah, I don't believe in that God, which is like a series I have where I talk about. I talk he with would be great. non-theists. It would be so great. He would. He would love it. I'm gonna try and get him. That's my only shot at talking with the singer of Bad Religion, and even if I did, even if I did happen to m- meet him at something, it's like, you know, he's a dad; he's got a full time job; like he's not gonna want to like get two beers with right, me, right? No, this like gives I'm not permission
0: so, to ask this question. Yes, you're
1: most interested in yes. asking. Yes, it's it's on the whole, it's far better, right? Like for instance. I am now actually friends with Dustin Kensru, the singer of the band Thrice, former worship director at Mars Hill, host of the Carry the Fire podcast. We became friends because we started working on his podcast together, trying to talking through what it would be, um, and then we finally got to hang out in person. But I had met him before at a wedding and talked to him for 40 minutes. What did we talk about? We weren't friends after that. I just had met him. We had mutual friends. We're at the same wedding. Now we're actually friends, but it took having something to talk about and something to work on yeah. together to become friends, right? So I, yeah, I mean, I think it's better. You get, not that the point is like, I'm trying to make, you know, I there's 83 episodes, if you have permission. I don't have 83 new friends. That's not the point. But uh, it's like totally opens up horizons you wouldn't get to do and it's not a one-to-one you, you can't compare it to being friends with them because you wouldn't have been friends with them. compare it to a random conversation at a work event that's closer to what you would ever have with one of these people if it weren't for the interview also I was thinking I enjoy being interviewed so I I don't get interviewed all that often but I don't know maybe once a uh, every couple months or something Somebody will ask me on their podcast and I love it. I think it's generally speaking, those are really fun. I know that there's some ego involved there too. I like hearing the sound of my voice. I get it. But also there's something really enjoyable about someone paying attention to what you've done, thinking about what they would want to ask you, you know, like it's, it's the joy of having been taken seriously by another person and then having some proof of that. So I get to provide that to someone else every week. They get to feel. Now, some of them, the, the more successful and famous people are, I think the less they experience it that way. It's like a publicity thing that they have to do because they're surrounded by praise all the time. I don't actually interview very many of those people and kind of on purpose. I don't think those conversations are very fun. Um, I like the people who are like, oh, you liked the book? You know, like, oh, you found something in this. Like, they're not shocked, but it's not something that people tell them every day. And then they're like, oh, you, yeah, you took that away. Like, hell yeah, dude, that's the stuff. That is the stuff right there.
0: Yeah, that is, that is a wonderful dynamic when you can tell that you are blessing someone, essentially, that you are, that they've, that they've labored in the vineyard for a long time and then they actually, reached out through space-time and connected with you somehow and then they're hearing back from you. I mean that's like amazing for them. That's so rewarding. All right, as we move towards a conclusion here, let's talk about where we want to take our respective projects. You go first. Where's where's you have permission headed and or do you have any other projects in the hopper, I know you well enough to know that you always have something in the hopper. It, whether it bubbles to the surface is another question. But what's what's coming from Dan Koch and/or you have permission?
1: I think the most likely one to actually happen, let's put it that way, because grad school and a seven-month-old uh, have dampened the hopper a little bit. Uh, is I want to do some episodes on you have permission that are less me interviewing an expert and our more narrative of people's experience and story uh, around a theme. So right now I have this idea, this phrase I keep coming back to, which is coming down from eternity. And it's the idea of what we lose when we change our faith tradition, that there is a real loss that needs to be mourned. And I wonder if sometimes people going from one kind of fundamentalist straight to another opposite kind of fundamentalist could be avoided if people could just adequately mourn what they're losing. Um, that's, that would not be so true for people who have really been traumatized and who just need freedom, but uh, non-traumatized folks who just like, ah, I miss, I miss feeling like God was doing something magical around every corner. I miss feeling enveloped in this sense of X or Y. So what I want to do is kind of take a little bit more of like a therapeutic approach of like an open ended interview style that does not need to go in order and then bring my editor in at a more significant role to like help put that together into a narrative. Because again, I realize that I don't think I actually have time to do that right now. I have done it in the past and I Enjoy thinking through it that way, but realistically, timing-wise, I don't think I'd get to it. So that's something that I think I will do. And then that's a different kind of question asking. So in, as you'll remember from your own psychological education, uh, open-ended versus closed questions. So asking open questions and really just being quite open to where this is going to go. And I don't know what you're going to talk about. And then later on, we will put it in order. So I'll ask you things that help explain it that we'll put at the beginning, right, before this, whatever the the inciting incident of your story is. So that's, I think that's, I'll actually be able to do that, and that uh, is upcoming. I think probably I'll be working on it this fall, so maybe spring, winter or spring. Cool. What about you? Are you going to continue this show? The $1,000, the $40,000 question Will there be a season two of Faith in Letters?
0: I don't know. Doing the show, getting to the end of the show, I find myself re energized around my own writing. I'm ready to do some of my own writing again. And so there's an awesome. inevitable decision there because of the, I have the same dynamic. I have twice as many children as you do. And uh, one of them is eight weeks old. And. So I can, I can empathize with just having a little bit less bandwidth. We both are in that boat. So I have less time with young kids. I probably can't do both at the same time. I'd like to go back to doing some of my writing. If I were to do another season of the podcast... I feel like now I have a calling card. I have an actual thing that's out there in the world. I'm not a stranger, cold emailing. I mean, bless these people who came on the first episode, uh, on the first season. I had nothing to show them. They didn't know who I was. I was just parachuting in out of left field being like, hey, I'm this guy. Uh, you don't know me, but would you like to give me an hour of your time? And God bless them, they did. Half of them I knew, but half of them I didn't know. So I feel like I, I'm in a position to you know, maybe, maybe be able to reach out to a few people who I thought it would maybe be a little bit of a stretch to get on the show and – And at least be like, hey, I I actually have this podcast and you can confirm that I have this podcast and listen to a few episodes. More more practically, the show is too broad. I think I've realized at the end of the season that what I had thought was a relatively narrow frame or prompt or animating Venn diagram is actually still massive. I mean, there are millions of books (laughs) that have been written about Christianity. Christianity is an endless topic and writing is an endless topic topic there are so many different kinds of writers so i think i would have to i I might narrow it more and i think many many seasons could be could be interesting i mean like a multi-part thing on christianity and fantasy literature or just interviewing people with different takes on uh, classical christian education which is like fascinating to me there's, there's a million different sub things you could do, but I, I think just the grab bag of like, th- here's somebody who wrote like a progressive Christian take on uh, the American dream. And now here's a behind the scenes podcast of the making of a reader's Bible. And now here's a, I mean, it's just like every, <laughs> every week it's, it's been something different. And while I've enjoyed that, I wonder if the net has not been cast a little too broadly.
1: Uh, I don't know. i I could go either way on that. I think that you bring you to it in a way that centers it. And uh, that's true for anybody, but you're, you are, um, you are not a vanilla podcast host. You have a perspective. You're coming from a place and people will figure that out after a few episodes of kind of what that is and they'll jive with it or they won't, but uh, I don't. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not convinced that it's too wide. I do like your idea of, yeah, picking some really specific things. I think that's very cool. Um, each of those ideas were interesting to me as you said them. So.
0: Okay. Well, Dan, thank you so much for doing this. This has been a blast. My pleasure. All right. Goodbye. Thank you again to Dan Certainly check out his show You have permission And thank you for listening Thank each of you who've spent time With me this season It's been a joy I've loved hearing from you Please feel free to reach out to me uh, In perpetuity Bishop At gmail.com I hope somebody contacts me Six months from now When I've you know temporarily forgotten that I gave my email address out. I hope somebody just drops me a line. I do not know if or when I shall return to the confines of this podcast, but until such time as I do, or until such time as we meet in the real world, keep reading, keep the faith, and keep up the fire.